Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Myalis, and in this podcast we ponder new the ancient traditions uh, in Scripture and try to figure out what, what they might mean for us today. And these weeks leading up to uh, Christmas, traditionally called Advent in the church, we're looking at hymns uh, of Advent and Christmas. And um, last week we covered O Holy Night because somebody asked for it, and this week we're going to look at Silent Night because somebody asked for it. Both hymns uh, came about through, through a Catholic priest in the 1800s. Um, and the story of Silent Night is also beautiful, and then we'll tie it into uh, Luke's gospel and consider the, the question of, of how we crop sort of the picture of Christmas and, and what we choose to uh, focus on. So without further ado, we'll get pondering. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." Silent Night, such a beloved song. I'm sure you have memories of singing this. Uh, this year we uh, went to our, our town's uh, Christmas tree lighting and they passed out candles and we all lit up candles and sang Silent Night together and uh, everybody finds it so beautiful and so precious. When... Um, I was uh, younger uh, in my church's kind of youth. We would go Christmas caroling to homebound members at their homes or at nursing homes, and inevitably, um, we would uh, you know sing you know some one or two Christmas songs, and then we'd say, "Well, what would you like to hear?" And whenever we asked, they always would say, "Silent Night." That was always one of the favorite ones. And as a kid, I kind of was like, "Oh, that song's so slow." But uh, as I've gotten older, I've joined the great uh, chorus who, who is stirred to contemplation of the holy and beautiful uh, by this, this song. And so I'm curious, do you have any memories of, of singing Silent Night in a way that really has touched uh, your heart and, and really given you a profound sense that it's indeed uh, Christmas, that all is calm and all is bright? So again, this really beloved uh, hymn. And the story behind it really does feel like a Hallmark uh, movie. I think, in fact, it was made into a movie. There's a, a young priest who, if it were in Hallmark, of course, would be, um, you know, dashing, Father, what a shame, or something. And it's in a town in Austria. There's, of course, lots of beautiful snow already by December, and the, the foot, you know, the Alps are in the background. And, um, well, this this priest, though, has a problem in that he... Well, the organ at his church is broken. It's, there's been a flood, 
and um, the, the, the pipes were damaged. And so he, it's coming up to Christmas. And of course, everybody wants uh, to have a beautiful Christmas service and what shall be done. And well, a few years prior, he had written this poem that he had just kind of, you know, written at one point and he had tucked away. Um, but but now he, he thinks, you know, what if what if this could be a song? And so he goes to a friend of his who's in the town over and this person is a school teacher and is also a musician. And and he says, you know, can you can you, uh, you know, put this to a, a hymn? And, and the person does. And well, then it just so happens that there's. Um, you know, some famous musicians who have come to town. And anyway, it all adds up and suddenly the song is a hit there and just quickly takes off and begins to travel around the world as this just beautiful sort of pastoral uh, hymn. So again, it's like a Hallmark uh, movie, just enough wrinkles and tension uh, to keep us interested, uh, yet all's well that ends well. And perhaps this too is a reminder, a little bit like last week, we were reflecting on O Holy Night, another story in which a priest and an organ are involved, but in a different way. Um, but in that story, the uh, we talked to sort of about the wrinkles and that it doesn't sort of, it wasn't a picture perfect story. But in, in this story too, that there's a wrinkle that again, the organ has broken and it's a, um, a reminder not only that you don't necessarily need an organ to uh, worship uh, the Lord, but um, but it's also um, a really beautiful reminder that there's ways in which our Christmases don't have to be perfect to to work for God. And I know that the, there's a lot of pressure we put on ourselves um, again and again in life to kind of make Christmas work, have all the presents and the bows and and everything just right and. Inevitably, it, it, it turns out that, of course, you know, not all the food, not all the presents, not all, uh, you know, the presents aren't perfectly wrapped, the company's not all perfectly charming, uh, things are forgotten, you know, things are overlooked, messes are made, uh, you know, food is spilled, so forth. And uh, just a reminder that, hey, you know what, Silent Night happened the year the main instrument was broken, and, you know, Hey, we'll even add a snowstorm there and all sorts of uh, difficulties and trials. But, but again, you don't have to have it perfect uh, for, it to, uh, for God to work in, in God's mysterious and, and beautiful ways. So just uh, a little pastoral uh, care there for all those who are beginning to be stressed out about the, the, the holidays. But there's uh, really, I think, a deeper context that is uh, worth reflecting on and I think gets us also to a to a real biblical sort of way of thinking about this. Um, it turns out that the poem, Silent Night, um, written by this uh, Joseph Moore, this priest, uh, was, um, was written in 1816 um, after sort of as, as Europe is, is um, starting to emerge out of the Napoleonic Wars. And Europe really was, I mean, Europe has always had wars, but... Um, as technology grows, right, the wars become more bloody, um, and Napoleon is pretty much able to conquer most of continental Europe, ends up sort of losing steam and, and getting frozen out in, in Russia. But he, he sort of just changes everything, and in the peace treaty in 1815 that ends the war, kind of lays just changes the map of Europe. It's this profound era of change after uh, really bloody uh, wars that just sort of changed alliances, redrew sort of the map, and created in many ways the, the modern map 
of, of Europe. But what I'm getting at here is that there's, a, there's an intense time of geopolitical sort of fighting and war and social change that has happened. And, and out of that, then, this priest in this sort of idyllic village writes something very different, uh, not about war, not about empires, not about Napoleon, not about kings, but instead writes about silence and peace and God's love shining forth in the night. And so in the midst of, of darkness, hope and life in, in this baby born. The Gospel of Luke lets us know that Jesus' birth also came at a time of empire. And, uh, and uh, Luke is very careful to let us know sort of the geopolitical situation of a census, an act of Roman imperial power that would force uh, Jesus' family and so many others to, to register. And, and in fact, um, just as a little biblical curiosity, uh, a census is very problematic for the Jewish people. Um, in the Old Testament, the people take a census against God's will, and uh, God punishes them for this. And the people sort of in their scripture remember that they should not have counted their people. Now, the reason being they should have just trusted the Lord to provide. And what this does um, is when the Roman Empire actually sees in, um, seeks to instill this census, um, that there's a group that arises, ultimately called the Zealots, and uh, they will really foment agitation for decades, and they will be some of those who really lead the revolt in 66 AD of the Jewish people. And so that revolt that will ultimately lead to the downfall of Jerusalem, as well as the famous siege at Masada, um, which is its own fascinating sort of bit of military history, how the Romans sort of overcome a great cost, uh, just shows Roman ingenuity, also Jewish and Romans sort of stubborn. It's, it's a fascinating battle. Anyway, um, I digress too much. All this to say that the seeds of insurrection against the Roman Empire are being sown here in this census. And so there's, there's a, and anybody who was reading it by the time that they would have been reading Luke's gospel knows about this. So Luke in his context here is reminding us that there is a world of war and empires and kings and taxes. Um, I mean, why else do you have a census? Because you want to tax and you want to conscript. Um, that, that this is really the backdrop for, for Jesus' birth. And so there's a way in which um, Silent Night, it's not so much a false telling of the story. In fact, I think of all of the sort of the pastoral sort of lullaby-like hymns about Christmas. I think, say, Away in the Manger, I think, goes too far in terms of sentimentalizing. I do think Jesus cried as a baby. Um, but I think Silent Night, it's, it's more like a cropping of, of the story. And it just is focusing on the, the piece uh, that's the P-E-A-C-E here. Just really, uh, it's focusing on sort of this moment of, of hope in, in the birth of Jesus. And I, and I think that's sort of a, a worthy question of, you know, is that a fair cropping of, of Christmas? Um, and I would just offer there that, you know, Christmas has many layers. 
many pieces, many pieces to the nativity. And I think each is worthy of, of its own uh, reflection. So what is the true perspective on Christmas? I have heard so often people who, who love to sort of burst the bubble about biblical stories and truths and kind of say, no, this is how it really happened. Like, it couldn't have happened in December. It had to happen in April or something like this. I do want to sort of offer, though, um, one sort of, um, sort of bubble-bursting uh, bit of Christmas information and then work through that um, and, and that is that some people uh, now think, some scholars think, that actually Mary and uh, Joseph were likely not traveling alone to Bethlehem, but actually were with other family members. Again, often we just have an image of the two of them. And that other family members were present. And that the word for uh, in refers not to an establishment that would sell uh, lodging, although it can mean that. It actually referred, um, it could refer to the upper room of a house. Where the people lived and downstairs would have been the basement and so sort of the animals lived underneath their heat would sort of rise and sort of heat up where the humans lived and the idea is that Mary and Joseph were probably staying with uh, family and friends for a religious holiday and that's when they had chosen to kind of go back to their sort of their their family um, and and I think there's some some sort of compelling uh, thoughts about about why this is but you know so often you know these sort of gotcha or this is how the the bible really played itself out you know rarely sometimes but but they don't always i don't know if you really change the end outcome so let's just assume for a second that mary is with family um and that they're joseph's family i'm not sure who in life uh, is looking forward to giving uh, birth sort of at their mother-in-law's house uh, that or their grandmother-in-law's i'm not sure if that's anybody's dream and they're still having to give birth um, in a stall um, with animal hay around and animal, you know, filth there. And up above in this small town, there's the rest of their family that can hear sort of the labor pains. And all the neighbors would have lived so close that everybody in town would have known what was going on. And then once she gave birth, um, it is... You know, these stinky shepherds show up clearly at the bottom of the social rung, and she's now sort of dealing and trying to be nice and hospitable to them, all the while while having to sort of suffer this Roman census that she somehow now has to figure out with Joseph. I mean, even if you say that Mary wasn't alone, and that's sort of two sort of individualistic or Western or whatever of a perspective on the story, you still end up with the birth of Jesus having some some messy reality to it um you know the, just like in silent night the organ is broken um well uh, the christmas story is about a birth of a child in a cow stall <laughs> even if that cow stall is in a family's house this is sort of the world uh into which jesus was born um so i, I think that you know there's many um perspectives on on christmas and and my sense is that there will always sort of be the sort of the beautiful version and, um, and also kind of the, the real version. And I, I think the beauty of, of Christmas is that we don't, um, we can sort of hold those together. And there, there is a, a reality that any kind of childbirth in a cow stall in prehistoric times was dangerous, hard, um, and, and stressful. And, and then there's also then this, this beauty of a healthy child. 
uh, and just with now this sense of sort of angel echoes ringing in Mary's ear. And there is that truth, too. So I don't know if there's really a wrong way to, to crop the Christmas story. I, I think the danger would just be if we only have sort of one image of Christmas. And maybe that's the beauty why we need all of these various hymns of sort of preparation and Advent and then celebration of the incarnation uh, at Christmas. So I think it's, I think Silent Night is one that we should love and enjoy and really soak in the sense of God's choice to, to uh, allow love to become one of us in, in Jesus Christ and just bathe in the beauty um, of, of Silent Night, um, knowing that there's too a messy reality of, of crying babies and the struggle of birth and smelly animals everywhere that at other points in life when life isn't perfect, we can rely on. So what do you need this year? Do you need the cropping that includes the animal dung in the corner and the smell of, of sort of all of that to remind you that, that the imperfections of your life are okay and even biblical? Or do you want, after this time of great social consternation, to just have a moment where we just bathe in, in this peace that passes all understanding? My sense is that most of us, as we approach the holidays and finally at Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, would prefer to bathe in, in that resplendent glory, and, and I want to give you full permission to do so. Well, thanks again for those who asked uh, to look at Silent Night. And I, and I hope that, although I doubt you'll get much silence between now and Christmas, I hope that there are some moments of silence and peace in your life this upcoming weeks. Infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace.